Hallelujah. Let's give that to the Lord this morning. God, we praise you. We glorify you this morning. It feels good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. No place that I'd rather be. We could be a hundred other places, but in the house of the Lord is where we must be. I want to give honor to my pastor and his wife. I appreciate them and I love them. I want to honor each and every one of you as well, my church family. I love each and every one of you. I want to get right to the point. I won't belabor anymore. I want to go straight to the book of Leviticus, the sixth chapter. Leviticus, the sixth chapter, starting in verse number eight. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon the altar all night unto the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be burning in it. And the priest shall put on his linen garment, and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh, and take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments and put on other garments, and carry forth the ashes without the camp unto a clean place. And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it, it shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning, and lay the burnt offering in order upon it. And he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. Verse 13 says, The fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. I have drawn my title from the last portion of the 13th verse. It shall never go out. Father, in the name of Jesus, we glorify you. We praise you, O oh God. We thank you, Lord God, for the presence in this place that you have already shown us this morning, Lord God. Help us, O oh God. Speak to us, O oh Lord. Anoint me to speak the words that you would have me to say, Lord God. Help me not to get in the way, Lord God. Your will, Lord, thy will be done in this place in Jesus name amen you may be seated it shall never go out I am convinced this morning that one of the enemy's greatest fear is that the church will get a revelation of the power of the Holy Ghost and fire that we have inside of us. 
Hell is on the rampage. Demons are going crazy in this day and this hour. The warfare is on a level that we have not ever seen before. Sadly, I believe that much of the church, and when I speak of church, just understand and let it be known that I'm speaking far above and beyond just this local assembly because the church is far broader than just right here. So when I speak about the church of a, as a whole, I'm sad in my spirit. It's almost like I feel is that it's gone in some kind of a stupor. It seems as though much of the church has been hypnotized. A great deal of the church seems to stumble around with no direction, no purpose, and no power. But I can tell you here with confidence this morning that the enemy is very focused. The enemy is very unified in their purpose to steal and to kill and to destroy. And if there's anything that we need in this day and in this hour in which we live, it is a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost and fire. The baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire this morning is not just to comfort ourselves and convince us that we're all right here. This is a baptism of power from on high. It's power to destroy the works of the enemy. It is the power to heal the sick and to cast out devils, to set the captives free. Open the eyes of the blind this morning. Make the deaf hear and cripples walk and raise the dead but the power of the Holy Ghost and fire goes much further and beyond that it will purify each and every one of us it will take out any impurifications that we might have within us it will refine us it will cleanse us it will make you want to act right it will make you want to talk right it will make you want to look right it will go beyond just just, just what you think it may make you feel alright hallelujah it'll make you take that text message that you want to just tell somebody and delete it it'll take that one, that one email that you want to reply to and hit the word delete it'll make you want to act right look right, That's right. Mm. I can almost hear this morning Paul, as he speaks to Timothy in, in, in the second Timothy 1 and 6, he says, therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in through the laying on of my hands. One version says, to fan into flame the gift of God. God, stir us up this morning. Stir us this morning. Hallelujah. Mm. When we look at our text this morning, three times it emphasizes for the fire to not go out. It was the responsibility of the priests to keep the fire burning on the altar. They're responsible also for removing the ashes the waste, the old, and to add the new wood. 
But a question came into my mind, and I thought, okay, I understand all of this principle, Lord, but where did the wood come from? And as I searched the scriptures, I came upon Nehemiah 10 and 34 that states, and we cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people for the wood offering to bring it into the house of our God. After the houses of our fathers at times appointed year by year to burn upon the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. So whose responsibility was it to bring the wood? All of us. All of us. I ask you this morning, did you bring any wood with you? Did you bring some wood with you? Or did you leave your wood at home? Did you come expecting something this morning? Or did you leave your expectation at the house when you left? Law focuses on what I feel like the most difficult part of the task, and that was to keep the fire going all night. See, it was customary to offer burnt offerings every morning and evening. It states so in the 28th chapter of Numbers. But after the evening burnt offering, there would be nothing until the next day. Without careful tending, the fire would go out. The priests must not allow this to happen. The fire must be kept burning. It must not go out. And as I pause here just a minute, I just want to tell you, and I know many of you know this all too much, but it'll be the hardest to keep your fire going in some of the darkest moments of your life. It'll be those times where you don't think you can pull out of it. It'll think where your feet has been taken completely out from you that you won't think that that fire will be going again. It'll feel like that fire has just dwindled to just nearly nothing. But I've come to tell you that it is the darkest before dawn. Right. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. There is hope on the other side of that darkness. It won't last forever. Mm. In the morning, the ash had to be cleared away. And in approaching the altar, the priest had to always wear the correct priestly garments. Even when he was not actually engaged in sacrifice, but was just clearing away the ashes God is always very specific. I don't ever see where he just says, just do as you want. There are certain things in order, and I'm not going to stay here too long, but I'm just going to tell you, and you know it so well, we have to do it God's way. There's one way. One way. But they had to wear certain garments regardless of what they were engaged in. When he left the altar to carry away the ashes, he had to put on different clothes. 
the holy garments were reserved strictly for use in the sanctuary. The holy and the common must never be confused. Ever be confused. But one of the most magnificent things about this altar is that the fire was started originally by God. In Leviticus, the ninth chapter, verse 24, it says, And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. It was initially started by God. No man shall take credit for the fire. Let's just take that completely out of the equation. The fire will come strictly from God. But I'm going to tell you there this morning that without that fire, we have no altar experience. Absolutely no altar experience whatsoever. See, the fire on the altar is needed to purge us. Fire is used to destroy, to cleanse, to sanctify and purify and make sacred that which is unholy. Without the fire, the altar experience is nothing. Without the fire of the Holy Ghost, we are nothing. We can do nothing. You take away the source, the fire dies. You take God out of the equation, there is no fire. Failure to what we call stoke the fire, to allow it to breathe, the fire dies. Without the fuel, the fire dies. See, there are three elements that need to be present for a physical fire. Fuel, heat, and oxygen. And for all you scholars, I know there's a fourth one, change react, chain reaction, but we're not going there right now. Fuel, heat, and oxygen. You've got to have those three elements. Have to. You take one of the elements out, you don't have a fire. Plain and simple. There are three elements needed for the altar experience. You've got to have the altar, you have to have a sacrifice, and you've got to have the fire. Take one of them out of the equation, you've null and voided the altar. First demonstration of this by God as far as fire happens in the book of Genesis in the third chapter. When Adam and Eve were drove out of the Garden of Eden and God placed cherubims with flaming, fiery swords which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. What I've come to tell you this morning is where there is sin, fire makes the separation. That's right. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. It is the fire that will make that separation 
between what is holy versus what is unholy. Moses' first encounter with the presence of God was through fire. If you read out Exodus and Exodus on the third chapter, this is when God called Moses. He called Moses from the flame of fire out of the midst of the bush in the wilderness of Horeb. The bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. It is in the fire of the Holy Ghost, and only the fire of the Holy Ghost, that you will hear the voice of God speak to you. Moses' next experience with fire was as the leader of the Israelites in Egypt to bring the plague of hail upon the Egyptians. God told Moses to stretch his rod towards heaven. He did so when the Lord sent thunder and hail. The Bible says, and the fire ran along the ground. If you read in the ninth chapter of Exodus, it will also tell you that there was hail and fire mingled. The fire of God there will also come judgment. Children of Israel, upon exiting the bondage of Egypt, were led through the wilderness by day, by a cloud, a pillar of cloud, it said, by night with a pillar of fire. Because once again, it'll be in those darkest moments that you will have to allow the fire of the Holy Ghost to lead you and give you guidance through the midst of that storm that you're going through. You can't, you have no direction. You can't see of yourselves at that point. All you can do is just feel the pain and the strain of everything around you. But it is in that darkness, if you will just allow the Holy Ghost, he will lead you and guide you out the other side of it. Amen. Hallelujah. See, there are many characteristics of the fire. Fire calls there to be separation from that which is holy, from that which is unholy. The voice of God will speak to you out of the fire. But there is also judgment that comes by fire. And he'll also guide you. See, fire is transforming. You can't come in contact with fire without being changed and affected. And I believe that God is more so now than ever before desiring some people that will make it up in their minds that I refuse to let the fire go out. I've come too far to turn back now. I will rekindle the fire. If I feel it getting a little low on me this morning, I will rekindle that fire this morning. I refuse to let it go out. I've got my mind made up. 
And one thing about the fire is when you make your mind up that I refuse to let it go out. And the fire is contagious. If you get too close to somebody that is on fire for God, it has the tendency to jump from one to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to where you have got a forest fire that is burning out of control. It has been my experience that dry wood ignites much quicker than something saturated. Let me tell you what I feel in my spirit on that when I say that. I think you all know me by now. I don't know how to sugarcoat much of anything. It has been my experience that you can take somebody off the street that is dry, that has got a past. And let them come through this door. And then you've got us who see it all the time and we're saturated. We've heard the word of God preached so much. We've heard these stories spoken so many times. But you take somebody who is dry, who has been through some stuff, and when they come through that place, when they come through that and they feel this power and fire of God that we have sometimes we have taken for granted they are more quickly and more easily ignited than us the people of God who are surrounded by this all the time hallelujah mm. John the Baptist came preaching and prophesying in the wilderness of Judea about this new form of fire that we feel. In Matthew, the third chapter, in the 11th verse, John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. But he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. What he was doing was he was pointing towards Pentecost. And if you look on Acts chapter 2, starting in verse number 1, it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one cord in one place. That seems like that's what we are. We're in one accord and we're in one place. And it says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And the Bible says, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each one of them. And verse four says and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God 
gave them the utterance. That's the fire that John was pointing towards. And that's the fire that we feel here this morning. God, we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost like never before. Oh, hallelujah. Church, I've come to tell you this morning that we've got to feed that fire. If we don't feed that fire, it's going to go out. That's why I asked you this morning, did you bring your wood? How are you going to feed your fire? I'm not a gloom and doom preacher, but I'm going to tell you, we've got some dark days ahead of us. I feel that in my spirit. And it is those much prayers that you pray and that you continue to pray and that you continue to pray and you pray more and more and more as each week goes by, your prayer life gets stronger and it gets bolder and you, oh, 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 mm, mm, mm. I can tell you that I know maybe it's just my house, but I don't think that it's just my house. I know I've got some family who are just as backslidden as they can be, who within themselves feel as though they have no power. And they are relying upon the prayers of us. Our prayers interceding on behalf of them is what's going to pull them out. Mm, they know truth. They've been raised in truth. You can't tell them nothing that they don't already know. But it is going to be your prayers because at this moment there is nothing but the hand of God that is going to reach and grab them and draw them back into this place. It's going to be my prayers. It's going to be your prayers. It's going to be the prayers of the saints that will go forth and that will draw them into this place to be once again saved by God. It is going to be by the reading and the studying of this word. This word right here. This is what's going to get you through it. As well as your prayer life. It is what's in between these two bindings that you're going to have when you hit those darkest moments of your life and you feel like you just can't make it. The word of God that you have read and that you have stuttered, the Lord will come back and remind you of those things. I don't think I can make it. God says, ha, 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 ha. Mm, you can make it. The promises of God are yea and in him. Amen. So if he said it, that settles it. It doesn't matter if it's between point A and point B that you might see some frustrations. You may see some circumstances that you didn't quite prepare for. But it'll be this word of God that'll get you through if time time tough. And I'm going to tell you something else, church. 
don't ever isolate yourself. When you isolate yourself from the body, you stand the danger of your fire going out. I'm reminded of a story. And it was of a pastor. You might have already heard the story before. But he had a church member that had started to fall back. Started missing services. If you've ever been there, the more services you miss, the easier it is not to go. I've been there. Some of you have as well. But the pastor's story went on, and the pastor went to this gentleman's house, knocked on the door, came in, found the gentleman in front of the fireplace, fire just blazing. pastor never said a word. He just reached in with the tongs of the fireplace, reached and grabbed a burning hot coal, set it on the hearth of the fireplace, hung the tongs back up. And as they were sitting there, no words were exchanged between the two. They sat and they watched that coal go from bright red as it started to dim until it finally just went out. The man looked at his pastor. He said, I'll see you Sunday. When you isolate yourself from the fire, your fire will go out. When you separate yourself from the body of Christ, your fire will go out. Protect your fire, church. Protect your fire. Don't ever isolate yourself from the people of God. Mm. But we need to be proactive. I can tell you, I can remember from as a child, me and Mama lived with one of my grandmas for quite a few years in an old rickety house. Had one wood-burning fireplace in the living room, and all the doors kept closed to the living room. It was cold as ice back in the rest of the house. And I won't never forget, as a 13 and 14-year-old boy, it was my responsibility to feed that old Ashley wood heater. I remember me and Ashley got to be greatest of friends because that was the only place there was warmth in the whole house. But before we got ready to go to bed, I didn't just throw any old piece of wood on the fire. I went out and I chose the right piece of wood. And the reason why I did is because if I just threw any old piece of wood, sometime during the night that fire was going to go out. But if I found the most naughtiest, the most twisted piece of firewood that I could find and throw in there before I went to bed, I knew that when I got up that morning, there'd be some coals 
There would be some coals left that I didn't have to restart the fire from scratch again because I was being proactive instead of reactive. It's time that the church be proactive instead of reactive in our prayer, in our worship. It's time that we put our best things on and give to God, not just our second best, because if we give our second best, then it's liable to go out. But if we give all that we've got, if we give the best that we've got, then the power of God is more apt to stay lingered inside of each and every one of us. Oh, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Oh, hallelujah. In preparing for this, my spirit has been stirred. I'm going to tell you of a few things to consider about a fire. Number one, choose the right fuel source. Be careful that you don't choose the wrong one. Because where there is a real one, there's always an imitation. There's always an imitation. The Bible even says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. He's not the angel of light. He's disguising himself as that. Plastic will burn, but it gives off a poisonous gas. Choose wisely your right fuel source number two something that I found that helps if you're out camping is if you can find some stones put them around your fire stack them around strategically around it because what those stones do is they protect and they preserve the flames, they also radiate heat once they get hot. They help insulate the, the, the flames from the wind and also sometimes from the rain. What I mean by that is you've got to have a pastor in your life. Period. That pastor... Is going to speak things into your life. He is going to help guard you. He's going to protect you from you. Now I'm fixing to take a little small detour here just a minute. So tell your neighbor, buckle your seatbelt. Pull my coattail if I get... It's easy to say I'm submitted to my pastor as long as we agree. But the moment we may not see eye to eye on something, that's when it's going to test, are you really submitted to your pastor? It is in those moments that we will trust this man right here 
regardless of what we may feel or what we may think. You can unbuckle your seatbelt now. But it stands to be true. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor, if you're an evangelist, if you're a prophet, regardless, everybody has to have a pastor. Everybody. Maybe I should have told you to keep your seatbelt buckled for a little while longer. The third thing, protect your fire from other elements. Create a shelter to keep that fire contained and safe. You've got to protect it from fear, from doubt, from negativity. Surround yourself with positive people. Not just gloom and, just gloom and doom all the time. Nobody wants to be around somebody like that that is just negative all the time. But negative breeds negativity. And if you allow it to get into your spirit, that'll dwindle your fire quick. Complaining, whining, gossiping, backstabbing. Brother Tenney used to say the difference between a backstabber and a backslabber was the knife. Keep stoking your fire. Don't starve your fire, people. Don't starve your fire. Feed your mind with positive thoughts. Hang around like-minded people. People that encourage you. People that are speaking to you. Speaking to your life. And a fire has got to have oxygen. It's critical for the fire to be able to breathe. Your words are very powerful. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. So you choose which one. Speak words that are successful and encouraging to one another. Be careful what you put into your mind, what you read, what you listen to, what you watch. These are all things that will affect your fire that I'm talking about. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. And I'm nearing the close. But as I was praying this morning in the Holy Ghost, the Lord spoke a specific word into my mind boldly. Big bold letters. And it just said, backdraft. Mm. I said, okay, Lord. I understand the concept of backdraft. 
musicians, y'all can go ahead and start coming. I understand the concept of backdraft. I know what a backdraft is. The Lord immediately took me back 17 years ago. Labor Day weekend, 2006. It was me and my wife, our three children. They were small. We lived in northwest Louisiana. And I said, okay, I, I, I remember that, Lord. I remember that very vividly because it was one of those horrendous dark moments of our life. It was when our house literally burnt to the ground about 5.30 one morning. I said, God, I understand that, but what, what are you trying to say? He said, no, boy, maybe God speaks to y'all differently. He just speaks to me plain. No, boy, you're missing what I'm trying to tell you. I said, well, what is it, God? He said, look at the specifics on what was caused, what caused the fire to get out of control. I said, okay. So I began to remember, and the fire started in our laundry room. The door was kept closed to the laundry room. What we didn't know is that inside that laundry room, there was some faulty wiring, and it had begun to smolder over the period of time, closed up. At that point in night, it was, it was beyond me and my wife and our three children. Our niece was there. And one of my brother-in-laws was staying with us. As he came home early that morning, because he worked nights, he got to the house, and he kept his stuff in the laundry room. And he immediately went to go to the laundry room and opened up the door to get his clothes to take a shower. And what happened when he opened the door, it got that sudden burst of oxygen, which in turn exploded fire throughout the house. Blew him from the doorway all the way through the kitchen and dining room. The house was engulfed in flames. He went to hollering and thank God that everybody got out safely. But the point of what God was trying to show me in that this morning, and I feel the, mm, I spill the Holy Ghost all in that right there. Because there are some who are nothing more than an ember. You have sit there with the door closed and it has smoldering and smoldering and smoldering and all it needs is that breath fresh of air, that sudden burst of air, that oxygen to hit that small ember that has been shut up. Mm. Today, you got to go to the hotel 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 to go to the
And I said, okay, God, I understand, and I get that. He said, I said, but they've got the door closed. God, the door is shut. And then he reminded me in the ninth verse of chapter 10 of the book of John. He said, I am the door. Stand with me this morning. I'm telling you here this morning and I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost if you are that ember I want every eye closed if you are that ember Jesus said, I am that door. I am that door. By me, if any man enter in, the word says he shall be saved. Mm. That door is open this morning. That sudden burst of oxygen is here. But then the Lord just helped remind me once again that in that second verse of the second chapter of the books of Acts, it says, and suddenly, that wind is going to come sudden. If you guard that little ember, if you will make your way up to this altar. This altar. God said, I will open the door. Mm. and when you do by your step of faith by saying God I know where I'm at I know where I'm at this morning God as I come to this altar I have got the altar I have brought my sacrifice and God said, I will supply the fire. <laughs> 